Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Cutback. You are now listening to episode 232 of this show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Uh, I was a little bit sick this week during all the downfall of Chelsea. Uh, it was a bit of a sign, sign of the times. Fortunately, we get a nice little cup win in a game that everybody thought we were going to lose, which... I was just double birds up to everybody uh, looking on social media. It felt good, but league play-wise, it's a little, looking a little bit rough. The media is against us, but we just got to find a way. And uh, for you guys, big win for you. Gigantic. Um, back into uh, the title race, or that's what people are saying. I, I don't know. I, I think after what we just saw City do to Brentford, I, I I can't necessarily see either team, Arsenal or Liverpool, beating uh, them out. But we've got we've got a big game coming up, I believe. Um, City play Liverpool within the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Yes, March tenth. So we have some time. A, it's within the next month. But I made this week's episode cover a uh, nice little memento for you guys there coming out right after the episode's posted. Cool. Um. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll get to that one at the end, but yes, it was it was a moment um that after the way things ended last year and then after that blip that we just had this year, um it was tough going into that game. I, I didn't have a shit ton of confidence, but that was about as resounding of a result, I think, as we could have gotten. Um, all right, should we start uh, on the other side of North London with uh, Tottenham and Everton? Actually, no, we shouldn't. What are our records from last week? Oh, yeah. Record-wise, we all went 4-6. and six, And overall, just pretty much the same so difference. The same. Just Evan and Zach, 118 and 110, and I'm at 121 and 107. Still got those two, two makeup games coming up. I think the Man City Brentford one should be within the next week or two. I don't know. I don't think the Luton Bournemouth one has been confirmed yet. Yeah, there's still I I don't know what's going on there. That was a stranger circumstance as well. That was the Tom Lockyer uh heart attack game, correct? Yeah, there's they've shown him back at the training facility. Yeah, now, he's so. he's good to go, but he's not going to play. Mhm. Yeah, that's good. At least he's alive and, you know, not he didn't die. That's good. Uh okay, Everton to Tottenham 2. Uh an early lead taken by none other than Rich Arlison who has just continued to be absolutely unreal. He's got 9 goals now in his last 8 games. He scored another later in the 41st, but Jack Harrison got one back before that. Uh we had that goal from Rich Arlison in the 41st and then very quiet. Um, Spurs Highline Chaos. Uh, Everton actually held 40% of the ball, which is more than you would think. Um, and it came down to an error defensively by Cuti Romero. And I guess maybe you could say a little bit of that's on Vicario as well uh, on a free kick at the end of the game in the 94th minute. Jared Branthwaite actually managed to get his head onto one. But I think Truly, Christian Romero, you have to get your head to that. It's It was a huge mistake defensively. Uh, Everton get that goal, and they share the points. I don't—this th- was the game, so, like, people haven't been super negative about Tottenham this season, and there's not really all that much to be negative about. But I think this one opened the eyes of a lot of casual watchers to how— dangerous they play they are just constantly exposed at the back and other teams constantly have chances Everton had five shots on target they had 14 total shots they are going to let you be in a game with them Tottenham it does not matter chances are they have better quality and they're gonna at least get a point or win against you but they play so dangerously and this is again just you get caught out once or twice, and it's enough to really kind of fuck things up. It's a huge point for Everton. I mean, massive. They've got three draws in a row now. They're on 19 points. 
We're going to see if they're going to get points back, if they're going to get more taken away. We still don't know, but um, it's it's very, very tough for Tottenham. They could have been level with Arsenal on points here, and instead um, they they have to take the the point. That's that's tough. Oh, not not level with Arsenal, sorry. Level with Aston Villa. Yep. Uh, wrote a few notes during the day. I just had, you mentioned Richarlson's on a hot streak. I also put... Spurs defending set pieces seems to be a bit of an issue. We're seeing Vicario uh, get manhandled a bit in the box there. He's getting thrown around. He's falling down after plays. Uh, just a massive size difference in the defenders. It seems like they do a zonal uh, marking system when they're defending set pieces with a mix of man-to-man. And the ball just unfortunately dropped, bounced the wrong way for them in those moments. DCL with a two-yard line tap-in. And then obviously you mentioned the Romero pickup there just brushed over his his uh his head so that was another key point and then my last point i had was mickey vandevin is equivalent to usain bolt he's so fast man checking back they've 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 made a few of those in this game and the previous game as well just the speed at which he gets back i remember in this game he it looked like jack harrison was in he took a little bit of a bad first touch but could have gotten away with it if it was a different defender but just that that pace to get back they've already clocked him uh hitting uh speeds higher than kyle walker now so we're entering the next era there and he seems to be the one it's just unfortunate that with that speed you got to take care of your body because those hamstrings can go at any time and we've seen that happen multiple occasions already especially when you are as big as he is the bigger you are and the more stretched out your muscles are the the more dangerous it is i mean he he is um he's unbelievable to watch i think Direct comp wise, in terms of aggression, it's like I don't know. I want to say Vidic, but Vidic was a different kind of defender. It's it's like Vidic if you threw another, you know, ten not ten miles an hour, five six miles an hour to his top speed. He's Vendovin is really really good. He's gonna be a good defender in this league for a long time, uh, as long as he can stay on the pitch. Yeah, they should be back at full fitness as well, or full squad depth because of uh, Suns back now from mm-hmm. Asian Cup after they got knocked out by Jordan in the semifinals. And pictures from today's training, Basuma's back in the team training from AFCON. So, How about um, Pap Sar? Any, any updates on Mr. Sar? Pap Sar, there's nothing saying he's injured or anything. It said he returned to AFCON at the start of the month and has been training, but... It just seems like he's getting fitness back in his legs. But other than that, it seems like everybody's okay. The main squad's there. We saw Kulis FC come off the bench, but I think we should see a full-strength squad this Saturday against Brighton, which should be a, a really tight, open game, I would say. Yeah. Um. All right. Let us jump into the next one uh, where we had uh, Brighton 4, Crystal Palace 1. An absolute cookout against Crystal Palace, who were, of course... Anytime you see a scoreline like this, it's because, as Annalisa didn't play. Uh, and that's that's what the issue was here. Mark Gahey forced off early as well. Um, but the story really was how good Brighton were uh, offensively. Lewis Dunk with a goal in the third, rising up. Uh, great finish from him. Young Jack Hinshelwood added another in the 33rd. And just a minute later, Facundo Buonanotte finished calmly into the left side of the net. Jean-Philippe Mateta got one back in the 71st, but it was far too late uh, to save any sort of pointage in this one. Jao Pedro added another in the 85th. And this one was a true just cookout. I mean, Brighton were better the entire way. Uh, you can see how happy Deserby was with the way that his team were playing. Evan Ferguson, bit of a non-factor. That was uh, unfortunate to see, but I thought everybody else in the back line pre- played pretty well. Uh, they've got Tariq Lamptey now back. I believe he registered an assist on that Lewis Dunk goal. Uh, he is such a dynamic player. He's very, very good. They subbed him off late, but he put in a great shift. Uh, that back line for Crystal Palace is poor even when Mark Gahey is playing. Without him, it is absolutely shocking. Uh, this is a team in crisis. I, I Honestly, crisis is the word. They've got two wins in their last five, but 
It's all individual performances from Eze and Elise. Their striking options are poor. Their midfield options are poor. Their defense is poor outside of Gehi, who's a good individual defender. Tyreek Mitchell's good, but often gets caught out defensively. They've got a, an old aging manager. It's just not looking good for Crystal Palace. And a result like this, a game like this, and the way you watch them, you can just tell things feel like they're falling apart at the seams. A few notes I had. Uh, the Wele assist on the fourth goal. Nice little back heel through the, the fence. Just shows he's still got a little bit of pizzazz in his game once he's fit. Also, Tyreek Lamptey got a start left back. Normally a right back, up and coming Chelsea guy a long time ago. Deals with a lot of injuries, didn't go to AFCON due to his injury um, history, but nice to see him out there. They start him over a stupid yawn. He bagged an assist on Hinslewood's goal, I believe. I agree with Palace lacking that spark. Alyssa is confirmed out for the next two months, as well as out until March, and they're saying Mark Way, he hyperextended his knee and will be out for at least a week or two. So this is a bare-bones team. They got Jordan Ayi back from AFCON, but he's not any type of player to dig him out of a hole when it's th- when they have this many losses to their squad. Uh, we saw that Munez get his debut in the team at right back, had an average game to, uh, due to what the scoreline was, as well as uh, Warrington came off the bench. Their new sign from Blackburn made an error, which led to the third goal, I believe. So it's a rough squad right now. Uh, under circumstances where everybody wants the manager out, and you could tell in the post game, the Crystal Palace fans were being held from coming onto the field. The away fans absolutely enraged. This is a derby game uh, between these two clubs, and you could tell from the fans how much it hurt them with the current form the team's in, with uh, five out of the last six games being losses. It's uh, uh or sorry, they have three losses in their last five. Um, 11 losses out of 23 games, negative 14 goal differential, which is the third worst right now in the league. So it's looking rough. I don't know where how they can dig themselves out of this. I don't think a 4-3-3 is going to do it for him. Nope. Maybe Roy, Roy has to set up something where there's more structure and it's more route one type deal now that they lost those creative players. It's, uh, it's going to have to be a Band-Aid job right now. And... I don't know if getting a new manager is going to help at this stage of the season, but that that might have to be one way. They did this last year. They brought Roy in, Veer out. Maybe they have to do the same thing. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I don't know. I just don't know who's available there for a manager. I don't know who you bring in. Um, Potter, the the word is Potter, but I don't I don't know what he can do with this midfield. I, I mean. If you can keep as and Alyssa and neither of them go, I, I know what their contract situations look like, then maybe you can build something for the future. But if you don't get an out-and-out number nine who's going to bang goals in uh, at an effective rate and totally change the way that they play, this this team is like dead. Like relegation candidate, if they have this poor porous of a defense, I, I don't I don't know if Graham Potter is the guy to come in and like save them. Do you, well, how do you feel about him? No, I think they need to go with a more conventional uh, tactician where it's more structure rather than the modern type of manager with pressing in that. Maybe they drop another person into the midfield. Mm-hmm. They play a 4-5-1. They keep what they're doing with Mateta. Ayu and Schlupp are big workhorses, so maybe starting them in more defensive positions. Right. Uh, you play the more route one. You try to win free kicks. I think Ayu is one of the top five most fouled players in the league, so... They played the set-piece game, and we're seeing the success rate that Luton are doing with that right now. They only have one loss in their last six, I believe, or seven. Yeah, one loss in their last six. So it works. It works in this league. It works in these games. Brighton isn't the most consistent team right now. Even though they're always a strong team every game week, they still don't turn out performances. But it's... um... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it, you. I was I was thinking like Jesse Marsh, but that's opposite what I'm saying. Yeah, it it's gonna be tough, and I think Roy. This is a club he loves. He's been there multiple times in the past, and he doesn't want to see uh, the downfall of the team do on his hands. But right now, it's looking like it, and with all these players being injured at a critical time in the year, when teams below them are starting to pick it up, like of Brentford now with Tony back, and with Luton seeing good performances. 
it's whittling out the options of Palace being saved by other people's uh, misdoings. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to Newcastle versus Luton Town. This was a low-key game of the week, 4-4. Four, four. Um, one of my most maligned players, Sean Longstaff, having a really yeah. good season, scored in the seventh minute. Gabriel Osho got one back in the 21st for Luton, uh, but Longstaff buried another one in the 23rd. Didn't last long. Uh, that that draw that Luton had <clears throat> gotten themselves to. Ross Barkley, who was having a career resurgence at Luton, scored again in the 40th. And then we saw, um, <clears throat> I believe, I believe Carlton Morris then buried a penalty, which he had to retake. Uh, yeah. The referee was not ready for his original penalty, which is odd to me um literally did the same pen twice managed to get it to go past Dubrovka uh, and then Elijah Adebayo scored in the 62nd Harvey Barnes uh and Kieran Trippier Kieran Trippier in the 67th and Harvey Barnes in the 73rd made sure uh, that Newcastle got at least a point out of this but this was helter skelter it was such an entertaining watch and Luton really have grown on me with the way that they play. Yes, it's a lot of set-piece bullshit, but those guys they have up top, and even the guys that you know are playing essentially wing-back and are, are, are checking all the way up and all the way back, Ogbene, I think, is he's really, really good. He's really fun to watch. Um, Barkley, like I mentioned, having you know a, just a, a great surge in form. He's playing a little deeper now. He used to be a little bit further up the pitch, played as a cam, but... He's so good going forward. He has so much uh, poise on the ball now. And you add in the fact that he's kind of like a bulldog. He he has a ton of aggression, doesn't want to lose the ball. It, it's just been awesome to see him kind of, you know, find his form again. He's been in and out of teams and all over the place. He was at Everton. He was at Chelsea. He was at Nice last year. Um, now back in the Prem and, and really having a good season. Uh, but the, the story everybody's kind of talking about is this Elijah Adebayo fella. I mean, he is, he's very, very good. Um, I don't think anybody expected Luton to have any players of quality. You know, this, this kid is amazing. He's got four in his last two games. Now, I think he's got nine or 10 on the season already. Um, nine. Yeah. He's, he's been fantastic. And I think they're not in a great spot in the table, but to go to Newcastle, uh, who are extremely hard to, to play against and put up this kind of fight, uh, it's very, very impressive. And I just think, you know, you have to take a point against Newcastle regardless, um, of how, maybe poorest they've been defensively this year because they're still a very good side. They still outmatch you in quality and you really have to clap Luton town for this because they played very, very well. And on the other side, it's unfortunate that Newcastle were porous enough and, and conceded all of those goals, but to fight back into it after you're down four two, I mean, very impressive. This was just an an excellent display of football. There was a lot of quality shown, just maybe not so much on the defensive side. When you look at the, the table based on form, just on the last six matches, Luton's in fourth position right now, while as Newcastle are in 17th. And same thing goes with their last six. Luton, one loss I mentioned earlier in their last six. Newcastle, only one win. It's not looking good, but I would say for Newcastle, Anthony Gordon has grown into a, a big role for them in this team uh, with the issues with their, their strikers being constantly injured. He fills into that nine role pretty well. He did it for a little bit with Everton there back when Frank Lampard was in charge for a bit. And he's great on the counterattack for them. Unfortunately, I believe he picked up a knock in this game and it affected them going forward later in the game. But still, it's looking good for Luton. Uh, you mentioned Adebayo. He's been nominated for Player of the Month in January, which is a, a nice memento to him. And also the last thing I had down was Newcastle's midfield can't control full 90 minutes. Um, I can say this because I see it all the time with Chelsea. And it's you talk about Longstaff, he's bagging the goals. But when it comes to holding the tempo of the game 
and getting control of things, settling down the pace when you're in a winning position, not allowing the other team to get involved. Um, Bruno Guimaraes fits that bill, but he can't do it by himself. You have a youngster in Lewis Miley who's putting in an effort every game, but still has his flaws and is still growing. And then Sean Longstaff has his limitations. So it's uh, looking rough for Newcastle right now. They're always in every game. Um, they're, they're able to pump a lot of goals in, but when it comes to cutting the cutting the the source of, of chances from teams and that coming from others' midfields, they just don't have that capability at the moment. The last six games, they've given up 16 goals. Yeah, I mean, that's troubling. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, Burnley 2, Fulham 2. Fulham took an early lead with Jao Paulinho converting in the 17th minute and Rodrigo Muniz uh, scoring in the 21st. That was until one David Datro Fofana on loan from Chelsea uh, struck two back for Burnley. One in the 71st, one in the 91st. Matt, how do you feel? (laughs) Because all of... Chelsea's loanees and past players uh, had really good weekends in the Premier League. Yeah, um, for personal notes for them, it's good. You love to see them succeed, but at the same time, when we're always looking for a number nine and those players are are helping other clubs earn points, it's tough. But um, I was happy to see that for him. His cameo saved company the day, earning a point. I also had Trafford was their man of the match. I think he had eight or ten saves. Uh, it was an absolute juggernaut in goal once again to save them. And on the other hand, uh, one of my nominations for worst player of the week, Burnt Leno, has been having stinker after stinker lately. I'm shocked. He hasn't gotten hooked off the stage yet by um, Marco Silva. Yeah. The errors he made the past couple games and with the first goal here... With a cross across the box, about seven, eight feet in the air, and he comes out into no man's land, and it's an open goal for Fofana. Either one of us could have headed it in the empty net. It was embarrassing. Um, and the control Fulham had on this game for 60 minutes, 70 minutes, and for them to drop the points here on the road is is, is just shows where they're at in the table. So um, kudos to Burnley. Still, they're seven points from safety. But hopefully this can help them, if at all, just get some sort of momentum going because they need it badly. Yeah, they still have a very, very, very long way to go. I still don't think company's probably the man for the job, but who knows? Maybe uh, they throw... Dude Perfect believes. I mean... What's that? Six, I said Dude Perfect and J.J. Watt believe it still. Yeah, well... I mean... 23 games, you have 16 losses. Something's not working. Something is not working, and it's most likely your manager. Uh, the, the, I just think the philosophy needs to change, and you can't just will yourself into staying up. Like like Mr. JJ says, every single time I see him do an interview, uh, can't stand the guy, to be to be honest with you. Great player and all in, in the NFL, but fucking hell, man. Doesn't know anything about this. Um, it Wishful thinking is not going to keep them up. I'll tell you that for free. Uh, okay, on to the next. Don't have to spend a lot of time on this one. Sheffield United nil, Aston Villa five. Goals from John McGinn in the twelfth, Ollie Watkins in the sixteenth, Mister Leon Bailey in the twentieth, Yuri Tielemans in the thirtieth, and Alex Marino in the forty seventh. Um, or just enough to edge Aston Villa past Sheffield United. Um, there was one point where Sheffield United thought they had the ball in the net, but. Uh, alas, goal was not counted. Uh, complete masterclass from Unai Emery's men, and it was exactly what you would have expected. Uh, the game that really is worth talking about is the one that happened uh, yesterday, but this one was entirely dominant. Every single player that stepped on the pitch for Aston Villa was up to the task, looked amazing, and Sheffield United, no matter what they tried to do, just could not get anything going. So despite the five shots on target they registered, very, very few of them uh, were troubling, and the Blades just look to be one of the worst teams in Premier League history. I believe at the minute they are the worst team in Premier League history. 
Yeah, they also mentioned it's the most goals a team's given up at this stage in the season. Yes, yep. 59, I think the record was 57 or something. As well, a note for the weekend in in Hull, they said this is the most goals ever scored in a match week in the Prem. The old record was 44. They scored 45 goals this weekend, which is incredible. Um, Aston Villa and Man United, I think, were the only teams that held a clean sheet. So, um, yeah, it's something that really you can't find a solution for, I believe. Um, 10 points away from safety. They've only earned 10 points. At this pace, they'll be lucky if they earn another six. It's uh, it's bad news, Bears. I don't know how they solve this whatsoever. It When those games come up, like this weekend in particular, they are traveling to Luton. These are games they have to win, and if they don't, it just makes that, that idea of um, them going down that much more realistic. So, uh, yeah, it's really sad at times, and... For that goal in the 90th minute to be taken away by VAR was was upright cruel. That it was a hair off sides, and I just feel like at some point there needs to be a bit of sympathy. Yeah, I understand. Um, all right, next one: Man United three, West Ham nil. Rasmus Hoyland has continued his march to excellent form. He scored first in the 23rd after spinning. Uh, Mr. Naef Aguerd into a different dimension, sent him for a, a packet of crisps with one of the most routine cuts you'll ever see a striker make. Either way, excellent finish. Alejandro Garnacho got one, another one in the 49th and then, uh, you know, got another in the 84th to uh, secure a brace. United looked better. They looked much, much better in front of goal, but still, I, I thought they let West Ham kind of have their way uh West Ham started on the front foot I think played pretty well up until that goal from Hoyland and then things kind of drained out of them this I will say for for Ten Hag he gets results when he has to somehow or another he he always does and also this is how you have to play West Ham this is the exact game plan that I wish Arsenal would have used. You let them possess the ball because when they possess the ball, they don't do anything. If you look at any single time another team has 60 to 70% possession versus West Ham, West Ham register way more shots on target than when they hold 50% of the possession. It's it's odd. It's not, I wouldn't call it an anomaly just because they're so much better on the counter than they are at possessing and building up. Um, but this is the right game plan and Ten Hag instituted it perfectly and he put the right guys on the pitch. They played really well. Garnacho and Hoyland, those are your guys this year. Uh, and they're, they're kind of performing right now. So not really surprising. I don't think to a lot of people that, that United got something out of it. I didn't think it'd be as dominant as it was, but, uh, they look, they look very solid. They're not going to challenge for the league or anything like that, but they do look better and they're in a decent spot in the table now as well. So uh, hats off to United there. It seems like maybe they're figuring things out a little bit and they jumped West Ham too with this win. Yeah. But when you say they're starting to figure things out, that's when things yeah, no, I know. The gets pulled out from under. They'll them. melt down. Yeah. It's the truth. And with the result of Villa against Chelsea yesterday, it's setting up the perfect storyline for them to drop the, drop the bag a bit. But um, yeah, with this win you mentioned, they leapfrog West Ham in the sixth position, still with a negative goal differential, and being in the top six, it's an incredible feat. But uh, Martinez picked up an injury here. He's out for two months, they're saying. I think it was an MCL sprain, if I read it correctly. But um, Harry Maguire is now going to be in the mix once again. It's uh, He racks up so many stats just... He has a magnet on his head. Yep, uh, MCL sprain. It's uh, it's tough for Martinez after he's out for so long already. This whole season's been scrapped. On the other hand, Hoyland's been sparkling. He scored his tenth goal in all comps this year now, in 28 appearances, four in the league now. He's starting to pick things up. And Bruno was just in the middle of all the pockets that West Ham were leaving. He's filling in those spaces well, like he always does, and. When I watched the highlights, most of those key opportunities United had were when you mentioned West Ham were possessing the ball, trying to build out of the back. 
Calvin Phillips again with another error, which led to a goal. It's not looking good for him. Still, Graham Potter will take him over JWP, which is a crime. And yeah, I mean, when you have Ben Johnson starting at right wing, right attacking mid, I mean, it just shows the lack of depth. And I mean, they just sold two other wingers they had. They sold Ben Rahman for nows. So I don't know what Moyes is thinking. I'm sure it was the right thing because he's thinking long term. It's not going to work, but maybe he won't be there long term. Yeah, very possible. Uh, all right, Matt, tell us about Chelsea and Wolves. This is a tough one. I would love to talk about it. Um, you don't have to, actually, if you don't want to. This is a safe space. No, it's fine. This is where people enjoy listening to pain rather than happiness, happiness. which I do the same thing listening to other people. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? It makes you feel better. But I got a false sense of hope listening, or sorry, I should say watching it at work. The... Cole Palmer scoring in the 19th. We had a strong start. The midfield looked good, connecting balls. Caicedo with a great ball in behind. Cole Palmer on the weak foot knocks it in the back post. And from there, I thought we were in a cozy position, but immediate response from Wolves going the other end. An unfortunate deflection. Petrovic couldn't do anything off Tiago's leg. Yep. 1-1. Uh, Wolves started to pick up, pick up the momentum. Uh, they went down that right side, kept going after Ben Showell, who was getting uh, pulled out of position a bit. Cooked. And uh, Pedro Neto cooked down that right side. Nice little cutback. Another deflection. Bullshit off to Zazi. 2-1 going into the half. Uh, we don't really make any changes. At that point, we go with what we do. Caicedo picks up another yellow card. Um, I believe we have the most yellow cards this year. We were the most carded with 73 as well as we've fouled the most with almost 300 fouls. Um, we have four more yellows than Sheffield, and we have three reds. So it just shows our age there. Became 3-1 off uh, Mateus Cunha's goal. Cunha goal, sorry, off a Neto assist. And then from there, Cunha bagged his hat-trick in the 82nd off a penalty and just capped off the day. Sola got a late... Uh, consolation goal off a Mudrick corner, which I was shocked with because we do not score off set pieces, especially corners. And that, that goal ultimately fucked me in fantasy as well due to my opponent having Thiago. Um, bittersweet, bittersweet result. Wolves hops us there right in the table up to 10th. We're back in 11th. In a position now with 15 games left to go. We're seven points from sixth position. We're within grasp of getting in the mix, but still... We, we now have more losses than wins, 10, 10 losses, 9 wins, negative 1 goal differential. Looking very mid, um, the midfield just lacking chemistry. It's weird now talking about it after having recency bias with the strong FA Cup performance against Villa there where the midfield actually played well. Goals coming from Gallagher and Enzo off a phenomenal free kick, but... yeah. Comparing what I saw, what we saw in this match in the Wolves game compared to the FA Cup match, we saw the exclusion of Thiago and Sterling, and we saw a vastly improved team performance with Madweke out there. Yeah, and the partnership of Badiashio and Dizazi. I'm sure Colwell could fill in right there for Badiashio, and we'd be fine as well. But maybe that's the way to go. I one of my notes was Sterling is not worth his salary. Nope. Um, as well as the structure of the team. Tiago Silva's wife came out saying that there needs to be a change. And funnily enough, his husband not being, or her husband, sorry, being, <laughs> not being in the squad Wednesday earned us a win. So um, I don't like saying that because Tiago is a legend of the club and a legend of the game. But still, yeah. I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. Results are what makes the world go round yeah. and if you're you not being involved gets us the results it's it's a harsh thing to do but we need it so if that's what it takes i'm cool with it the bench now nico jackson back playing at left wing we saw here as well as the cup game works better rather than him being the focal point i like what when they interchange palmer and kunku up there with gallagher filling in we drop into more of a 4-4-2 defending with a box midfield there you could say with the forwards and the mids um, but yeah, at the end of the day, Wolves was the better team. We mentioned it in the predictions. I felt like Wolves was going to win, but my bias leaned towards a draw, which hurt me, but still, um, 
what are you thinking about wolves here? I mean, I th- I think wolves like you, you have to give most of the uh, I don't want to say most, but you have to give a lot of credit to Gary O'Neill for what he's done. Um, most at pe- the same time as the Posh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, he came in what three days before the season started, before the first game. Yep. Everyone thought Wolves were going to be a relegation candidate, uh, in- including me, I think. And they have been absolutely tremendous. Nine wins, five draws, nine losses. They're not, you know, they're not great every time you watch them play, but they have a ton of quality. It's a really good team, and Gary O'Neill puts the right players in the right spots. He doesn't he doesn't play in a way that makes those slower, you know, defenders they have, Dawson, Kilman, Gomez, those aren't they're not fast center backs. They're not good, really even good center backs. But with Lamina in there and Gomez in there, you know, basically playing a pivot and pacey uh, outside backs, there's coverage pretty much everywhere. And you depend on your guys up top to play effective counters and, and be effective finishers. And they are for the most part. They don't have a ton of depth. You know, they have Huang, who's now going to be back from from South Korea at, at the Asian Cup. But Cunha has been really good when he's played. Sarabia, I thought, has been... I think he's been amazing. He's got quite a few assists. He's instrumental in their link-up. He's really good at playing balls on the counter. And Neto, I mean, we know what Neto is capable of. We saw you know, how tough it was for them when they lost him, and he's come right back in, and I think he's just been a very, very dangerous player. He's very tough to mark. And going against Chelsea, who have very slow, a very slow back line with Silva and DeSassi and Chilwell, who just cannot keep up. He is not the same player he used to be. Then this is what's going to happen. And Cunha, you know, gets all the credit in the world. The deflections, that sucks, but it's because they're kind of behind the play. That's why deflections happen. And if you're not in the right spot, you get a bad bounce. It happened twice. You don't want to see anybody concede goals like that, but foresight has something to do with it, and they just seem to lack it. The Chelsea backline in this one, that Desasi guy, man, he he is. I don't know. I don't know about him. He's he's kind of disastrous. Yeah, it's it's kind of his name. I I know, I know. It's it's tough, man. I I think Batty Shields probably better. Um. Batty Shield, left footed, left side. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, I picture it. Colwell and Batty Shield can. Flip I out I agree. Area. I think and that's probably better. Potch has shown that he favorites his favoritism towards Zazzi as well. In most games, when we don't have a right back, he'll play right back, and we forget sometimes Wesley Fofana is in this squad. Yeah, he's just uh, always injured. He's always been that way, even at Leicester. I was listening to a Chelsea podcast a few days ago, and they were saying winners for the week were Shakhtar, Southampton, Leicester, <laughs> yeah. and all these other clubs for fleecing yeah. us for millions where we have players that aren't playing, if at all. Um, yeah. it, for, you got Lavia, who hasn't played ever, Fofana, uh, Mudrik hasn't been performing. It's, it's uh, uh, you said Benfica as well with Enzo, but... Enzo's iffy every now and then. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough at the moment. We take it week by week. I would love to see a nice three-game win streak come along against some some good competition. It would it would get some confidence in me and get get a few goals in the key guys. We're seeing Nkunku in his spurts has the quality and can bag. He just needs constant minutes and good fitness to be in this team because I would I know for a fact him and Cole Palmer can do incredible damage against all these teams in this league. Yeah, and I I still think I mean Gallagher is kind of your box to box. He plays all over the pitch. He's always caused there's a ton of havoc. He's he's involved on both ends. I still think he's probably your best midfielder outside of Palmer. I think he's been better than Caicedo, and I think he's been better than Enzo. They're not the same kinds of player, but they all play in the midfield, and I think I still think Gallagher is the guy that you can depend on to give you a consistent shift. He makes mistakes, but so does Caicedo, and so does Enzo. Those guys are never even in the right position, and a lot of that probably does come down to the manager, Uh, and maybe he's going to figure out how to use those guys, but um, that giveaway from Caicedo somebody else has to be there to support him that that was that was crazy to me 
after the way that he played that ball, got the assist, um, I was like, that's lovely. You know, he's going to have a really good game. And then almost, it, it felt like right away, he gave that ball away and they went down and scored. I just think there's got to be something better. There has to be a better way to play Caicedo and Enzo together and make sure that they're supporting each other because one goes up, one goes back, and it alternates. It's not a set thing. You cannot give players that much freedom because they're going to get caught in the wrong spot and you're going to give the ball away. That's what happened, and Wolves just built off of it. Well, for the same value we paid for those two, we could have gotten Rice and Bellingham. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, buddy. That's a nice alternate universe. I would love to see what would have happened. Yeah, I mean, Rice and Caicedo together would be... Uh, no, Rice and Bellingham. Well, yeah, I know, but even even if you just maybe bought Rice and, and you, you kept one of the guys, right? You, you bought Caicedo and then you bought somebody else as well instead of Enzo. I just I think Enzo was too raw. I think he, he was good. He was solid. He was great at the World Cup, but... Yeah, but that Benfica. free kick scored... That, that free kick he scored Wednesday gave me a little bit of a little bit of roused. It was a good free kick against his national team, uh, you know, teammate. I listen. I think that was a great free kick. I don't think a lot of keepers are saving that. But Emmy was kind of glued to his line for the first little bit of that. Uh, I was I was a bit surprised that he didn't manage to get still, all the way up to it. He still got a hand on it. I also. know it was literally in the corner. Yeah, it was. It was. It was pretty much perfect, but. Uh, all right, let's move on. Bournemouth one, Nottingham Forest one. Uh, another Chelsea boy stunting Callum Hudson Odoi. Uh, Justin Clivert was the one to get Bournemouth uh, started off on the front foot. He scored in the fifth minute, and then Hudson Odoi got one in the 45th. Absolutely lovely finish um, to the right hand side of the goal on the bottom. Excellent strike. Uh, 1 1 heading into halftime, and it was pretty quiet after that. We did see. Philip Billing, uh, who did not start, come on and then get a red card, which is one of my favorite things. Straight red, uh, proper Brexit, just stepping on somebody's back, you know, uh, right on the back of their leg and stopping the play. That was actually on Hudson Odoi, and he was he he looked pretty banged up after that. So nothing, you know, you don't really like to see that. He was substituted. Uh, but Bournemouth couldn't really get anything going uh, after that first goal. I think Nottingham Forest were the better team. Uh, they've got cells in there now. Uh, we saw Giovanni Reina come on, uh, laid on for Anthony Alanga. Taiwo is back. Nottingham Forest things are looking up, I think. Um, and Bournemouth, I don't know. It's kind of a blip. I, I, I'm not really sure how I feel. They've only got two points in their last four games. Uh, two draws, two losses, and then a win before that in their fifth. But they're definitely not flying like they, they once were. And I think Forrest, it's not quite there. It's not great. But it's better now that Turner's out. They've got a creative player in Reyna that can kind of get in there when you don't want to play Alonga or you can flip Alonga. I can see this being good now that Taiwo's back. I really can see them kind of starting to string some things together. And I, I hope they do because I, I really like Awanyi. I think he's a great striker. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. Very gritty game, back and forth, evenly matched teams. Uh, a strong midfield battle. The the billing challenge I didn't realize was a straight red, not a second yellow. Um, just absolutely stamped on Hudson Adoy's Achilles. Did not look pretty. <laughs> no. Um. So they'll be without him for three matches, and that midfield's been pretty good with pretty good without him. He, Billing hasn't started very much, but still, him off the bench is a nice boost of energy. And if Solanke can't bag him a goal, it seems like they struggle a bit. So we'll see. Their next two games are on the road, so they'll be traveling for a while, but. Um, I think they're in a safe position now where they don't have to worry about any relegation talk. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's move on to Arsenal 3, Liverpool 1. Complete disaster for Liverpool in which they just did not look switched on. Uh, Arsenal started very brightly, controlled the ball just supremely defensively, looked very sharp. Uh, A lot of yellows for Arsenal, but... Really, really solid performance in that first half. We were able to get a goal in the 14th minute on a rebound uh, from Mr. Kai Havertz, who decided to blast the ball right into Allison. One of the 
<coughs> excuse me, best one-on-one uh, keepers in the world. Very tough to see Kai Havertz streaking down to him. Uh, but luckily, Saka was there and was able to bury it. Uh, this was after Saka blew a header wide. I was... I was shaking in my boots after that, uh, after he fucked that one. But yeah, uh, Odegaard got the assist. Uh, technically, it, it would have been an assist for Kai. Um, but he played that ball in. Excellent ball. Perfect weight to Havertz. Uh, he bared down on the keeper and just blew it right at him. Thankfully, Saka was there. It was 1-0 heading into halftime. Unfortunately, Gabriel Magohase and William Saliba and David Raya had a bit of a nightmare. Saliba tried to hold the ball up uh, back in the around the six. Raya didn't quite come out as quick as he probably could have. Just a missed communication and the ball fell to somebody else and then bounced off of uh, Gabriel's hand into the into the goal. I thought after that it was going to be really, really bad. Um, I thought Liverpool would come out in that second half and just batter us, and they kind of did start to do that, but Arsenal held strong. In the 67th minute, we capitalized on a Liverpool defensive error in which Van Dijk and Allison failed to communicate. Um, ball was in a weird spot. Van Dijk was trying to shield it, just like Saliba was when they scored. Um, Allison came out, but was seemingly kind of scared to hit uh, Van Dijk, so just kind of jumped with it jumped tried to use his foot didn't work ball fell around to Martinelli who had actually shouldered Van Dyke pretty good I like to see that uh and he just finished into an empty net that was a disaster uh quiet until Ibrahim Okanate punched Kai in the face in the 88th minute he was given a red and then Trossard finished expertly through the goals of Allison in the 92nd minute Arsenal dominant in attack, excellent in the little bit of possession that they did have, and I thought defensively very solid outside of that one mistake. Uh, Arsenal deserve all three points for this one. There was no bullshit in this one uh, outside of that that own goal, uh, two own goals, but Arsenal were better, I thought. Disaster for Liverpool's defense on the day cost them, as well as uh, Martinelli had a great showing down that left side. The right side, Liverpool's defense, Trent getting exposed. Unfortunately, Connor Bradley wasn't able to show up on the day. His, yeah. his father, unfortunately, passed away that uh, that day before, prior. Um, so he couldn't be used, which they could have used him a lot. He would have been a great burst of energy there. Might have allowed Trent to move up into the midfield. Could have been a bit of a difference. But Mikel's tactics were spot on. It took out that midfield play that Liverpool's been fiending off of lately. Unfortunate news, Zabas lies out until March, so they're going to have to find a way to, to live without him there. And Konata getting pulled down the wings. Now that Trent's back in the team, he has to defend in wider positions now, which any center back would agree they do not prefer. So it allowed Arsenal to have the control. Rice once again dominating in there. Your, your boy Jorginho playing a good role, controlling the tempo. We talk about this with a lot of teams. Their midfielders get a little bit frazzled, but experienced team gets the job done. They earn the three points now within two points of, 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 of first. Um, but Man City do have that game in hand against Brentford, which could go in a similar way that this week's did. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move on to the final game of the week. Brentford one Man City three. Despite going ahead early in the 21st minute through Neil Mopai, who's in form, I don't know how, but he is, he's, he's very in form, uh, Manchester City come from behind a three-goal masterclass from none other than Phil Foden, not a player I love, but a player that is very good, scored uh, right before halftime, made it 1-1, scored again out of halftime in the 53rd, and then added another in the 70th. Uh, City dominant in possession, 72%, 15 shots on target to Brentford's three, uh, and just very controlled. They didn't get scared or surprised by the goal from Mopai. They didn't respond right away, but there was never a doubt that City were going to be able to win the game, and it's so tough to watch this, but they just have so much depth. 
They've got players like Alvarez who can play wide. He can play striker. He can play an attacking mid role. They've got Foden who can do the same thing. He's so good cutting in. De Bruyne, I thought, had a great showing. Um, It's just, I don't know how you beat this, man. Even when they go down, they are so resolute and they are so confident. Um, Holland, I don't think, had a great showing, but, you know, he's got to ease himself back in. This was just a masterclass from one of, you know, City's million talented players. You just never know who it's going to be. And in this case, it was it was Phil Foden. He's it's just, he soars every time he plays. This is the only team Holland hasn't scored against in the Prem now. Three games. He'll get another crack at him this year. But Phil Foden bags the hat trick on the day. A great performance. De Bruyne once again showing his class. Uh, Neil Mopai is arguably the most hateable player in the league. He was so much talking so much shit. There was a lip reader that came out and commented saying what Kyle Walker was saying that Mopai was talking shit about Walker's family and that he was going to beat the fuck out of him. Yeah. Uh, paraphrasing there, but I mean, the guy gets under everybody's skin. He's such a shit all about that shithousery, but takes it to another level. And the goal that Brentford scored was just a long ball from Flecken and Malpai pounced on it. I mean, it just shows how useless Ederson is at times that literally all they ask for him to make is one or two saves and half the time he doesn't and it just costs them. But in this in this case, they had all their all their weapons at the ready and just absolutely demolished Brentford there. So big result for them. They have that game in hand. If they win it, they're in first. And probably won't look back. That's probably true. Um, those games in hand are just... Uh, they're the worst. Because you know City are eventually going to take first. And then once they get there, they're not going to fucking fail. It's just not going to happen. I don't want to say they've already got it won. But barring an injury to like three players at the same time, I just can't see City losing. I know I wrote them off. I write them off every year. You have to if you support another top six club. It's just the way that you cope. Um, but, yeah, they look fucking unstoppable at the minute. Uh, okay. That is it for our recap. We will jump into our <clears throat> predictions after we do our best and worst players of the week. Uh, Matt, would you like to start us off with your best player of the week? Yeah. Let me hit Young the best man. I got it. I did it. Yeah, we just go. talked about it. Yeah, we just talked about him. No brainer. Gotta go Phil Foden. Um, saw a nice video of his son watching the telly saying, Daddy got a hat trick. A uh, nice moment for him. And uh, just caps off the seasons he's been having. There were Man City's always got a bit of a, of, a, of a revolving starting lineup every week. We see Jack Grealish struggle to get minutes in the team as well as other players. But. Phil Foden in the past has been involved in that situation, but now he's playing every single game no matter what, and you're seeing what he can do as one of the best English English talents out there. Yeah, I'm going to give it to uh, Datro Fofana. <clears throat> Two goals, uh, a brace with limited minutes, uh, coming from behind 2-0 to try and get some points for your team who's battling against relegation. Not an easy task. I think, you know, had a great showing, uh, looked really good. Uh, with not a lot of quality to support him. So uh, I, I think, you know, we have to give credit where credit's due, and I'm going to go off the beaten path and, and give it to David Datro Fofana. Love to hear that. Um, all right, and our worst players of the week. Here we go. I am having a very bad day. I am in no mood. I already alluded to it earlier. He's on my fantasy team. There's rumors of him exiting the door Yeah, my club. <laughs> <laughs> Burnt Leno, uh-huh. one. Um, the amount of mistakes this guy's making, absolute sitters. He's letting things squeak past his hands off deflections after pairing it. I mean, it's really sad right now. It's costing Fulham points. It's costing me points. I'm now in a, a tussle now after having a, a almost a 12 point lead at in the fantasy league. I'm now only three points ahead. This guy's got to go. Um, I won't be shocked if he does not start this weekend. It's a big game. They play Bournemouth, and shocker, I'm not feeling like I'm going to take them in this weekend's pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Nayef Aguerd. 
uh, got absolutely cooked by something he should never, ever get cooked by. He's not a bad player. He just routinely puts together absolute stinkers. I mean, he was great at the World Cup. You saw what he can do, what he's capable of. Um, and he's been very, very poor, I think, for West Ham all year. Um, got cooked a like, variety of different times in this game. He just doesn't seem up to it. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give it to uh, to Aguirre. I think there's probably better players that they can throw back there. I That Mavropanos guy stinks, too. Ogbana might even be better, even at his age and with his lack of pace. I just, Garrett routinely gets cooked. It's it's very bad. So I'm I'm gonna give it to to him. Uh, okay, let us jump into our predictions. We start the week off at, I believe this game's at the Etihad. Um, yeah. So they, I don't think City have lost to Everton since 2017. So that's 13 Premier League games in a row. 11 wins, two draws. City, the resounding favorite. Uh, yeah, we'll take City in this one. Yeah, Man City for me, Man City for Zach. Okay. Uh, our next game is Wolves versus Brentford. This one could be interesting. Matt, who do you have here? Uh, I have a draw... So, or Zach's taking Brentford, sorry. Uh, I think Ivan Tony's going to be a big factor here. I could see this game be a high-scoring one. 2-2-3-3, two, two, three, three. both teams look good going forward. Neil Melpay, even though we hate him, he scored in five straight games in all comps. It's going to be a tight one, I think, but uh, an entertaining one at that. Yeah, I'm going to take Brentford straight up. Um, Wolves looked great last week. I know we just sung their praises for like 10 minutes this, this episode, but I'm going to take Brentford. I think they somehow or another managed to get a result here. I don't know how it's going to happen. It's probably going to be pretty heavily weighted on Ivan Tony, but I can see it happening if, if he gets loose and he just wiggles his way through those three pretty slow center halves. He should be able to have a day. So I'll take Brentford. Up next, we have Fulham versus Bournemouth. This one's tough. Um, both of these teams, they're I think they're right next to each other in the table. Twelfth, yeah, twelfth and thirteenth, um, twenty-six and twenty-seven points respectively. I will take a draw. I think the gap between them stays the same. Uh, Zach and I are both taking Bournemouth here. We'll get their first win after four straight games without one. Uh, I like what they're going to do here. And I'm like I mentioned, I'm weighing in on Leno making another error. Okay, fair. Uh, he was the number one fantasy keeper, by the way, for for many weeks. And yeah, yeah, <clears throat> I was just waiting. Yeah, just uh, the law of averages came out and... It, uh, way, it's weighing him down right now, and we're seeing why Arsenal decided to part ways with him. Indeed. I'm very familiar with his game. Uh, okay, Tottenham versus Brighton up next. This one should be a great watch. Tottenham in fifth, Brighton in eighth. Brighton will be looking to knock them off here, but mm, I don't know. Who do you have here? Zach and I are taking Spurs. I like Sun coming back in this game. On that left side, Werner's going to drop to the bench. We're going to see Madison and Kulu with Richarlison in a fire form up front. I really like this game to be high scoring and open, as I mentioned. I'd like to see it be like a 4-3 classic, but wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of chances get uh, missed. But yeah, I think I'm going to go with the home team here with Spurs. Okay. Uh, I think I am going to take Tottenham as well. Up next, Luton Town versus Sheffield United. Never thought I'd be saying this, but this one's straightforward. I'll take Luton Town to win this one in a route. Yeah, Zach and I both with Luton as well, which scares me, I think. It's a massive six-pointer. Luton really need this to keep getting that form going and keep climbing up and making other teams scared. But uh, Sheffield are going to be super desperate here. I'm sure they're going to try something a little bit different. And it's going to be a mass, it's going to be a very physical battle. So whoever's got to manage this game is going to have to manage all the tempers going for both sides. But I think Luton here at home should be good. Okay. Um, Liverpool versus Burnley up next. Who do you guys have there? Very straightforward. Liverpool for me, Liverpool for Zach. It's at Anfield against Burnley, who are, I think they're the worst. No, they're 
the fourth worst team on the road here, and Liverpool's still unbeaten at home. Should be fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll take Liverpool as well. I, I think they're going to be the one to win this. Uh, Nottingham Forest versus Newcastle up next. This one, uh, I'm really curious to see if Gio Reyna gets the start. Uh, I don't think he will, but people are saying it's a possibility. Um, if Hudson Adoy's hurt, maybe. Yeah, I think maybe they'll move somebody back and he'll play. But uh, I don't really want to take Forrest. I don't really want to take Newcastle. I think I think I will take Newcastle, but they've been burning me recently, so I'm not confident. Yeah, Zach and I are both taking a draw here. I think we've we've had all the same picks, but one going forward too. So I'm I'm sticking with the draw here. I think For- Forest haven't held that reputation of being a fortress at home. They have the fifth worst home record right now, but fortunately for them, Newcastle have the fifth fifth worst road record. And with the injuries, Isak's going to be out again, and Gordon's a game time decision should should hurt them a bit, but. I think Harvey Barnes maybe getting a start there on the left side would be good. We haven't seen him get a full 90 in a long time. So um, I think it's going to be a draw, though. Okay. Uh, And then we have West Ham and Arsenal, my least favorite fixture. If you guys like to root for pain, it could could be coming. Um, Man. Sick, man. Sick, sick stuff. Who are you taking? Well, West Ham's last win was against Arsenal. Oh, I am. I'm well aware. Four straight games. They've earned three points. Um, Arsenal coming off a massive high. I'm I'm going to take Arsenal, the chalk pick, but I would imagine they'd be watching film on their last few games and seeing the Changing it? Thing. Yes, you would think. But you I feel would. like Mikel only works one way, Correct. and I, I don't think he's going to concede bits of possession, but... If Arsenal can be strong on the set pieces, I think they should be fine, and they need to get the first goal. Yes, I need Calvin Phillips to play in this game, and we will get the first goal. We will get it within five minutes, I promise. Um, I'm going to take Arsenal, but again, if if they decide to to hold all the possession, West Ham are just going to put 10 men in the box, and we're probably not going to score. And if we do, it's going to be off a deflection. So fire those shots in, stretch them early, let them have the ball, and let's see what happens in the first 25. I would imagine Arsenal score in the first 25, and that should be it. But who knows? We'll have to see. I will take my Arsenal. Uh, Aston Villa versus Manchester United, the late game on Sunday. I think a lot of people are going to go right to United. I think people are going to be wanting it. It's plus money. Uh, they looked good last weekend. Villa just lost to Chelsea. This is a Villa smash spot. Take them to win. I'm taking Villa. Yeah, that's convincing me to change my mind, but I think I'm going to stay true because if I have it right and I get I change my mind and it's wrong, I'll be upset. So I'm going to take United. I'm going to go with the chalk. Um Zach as well is going to take his boys on the road here. No Konza, so Matty Cash gets to start right back again, which is going to be down Marcus Rashford's side, who's been looking better and better. I think Villa is going to hold quite a bit of possession. We're going to say the same game plan as United did against West Ham. Uh, we've been I've been seeing on socials they've had RVP at the grounds. He's getting his UEFA Pro license, and I think a requirement was he has to go to a different club uh, to do some some uh, coaching stuff there. So United welcomed him in. I think some of that will rub off here on Hoyland. So I'm going to take the Red Devils. Okay, fair. Uh, Yeah, I'm with Villa there. And the last game of the week, Crystal Palace versus Chelsea. Uh, Your pick first. It's a team we dominate uh, conventionally, yearly. Mm -hmm. It's a team that is really down bad like we are, but even worse Three of their best players are out. Their captain's out. Our players are getting back. We got a big win. We're on a high. Um, I love Nkunku starting here with Cole Palmer. This should be a smash pick for Chelsea. Zach taking Chelsea as well. If we do not win this game, everybody's going to be against Poch, even though most people are. (laughs) He might not make it. He might not survive. I I think he'll definitely finish the year out. I think like you've been talking about with me, on the messages, I don't think financially we can do that right now. 
with all the, the financial losses we've been taking. So um, I do think they're going to win here, though. I like what we're I like what the changes have been. I think Caicedo Enzo being tighter in the midfield works, and allowing Connor Gallagher to move up a bit and get out of that situation can help as well. So um, I would like to see Sterling start off the bench again, which will not happen, I'm sure, due to what he how much we pay him. I'm sure he'll start, which will hurt us because he's just going to dribble right into people's faces and expect to to get a penalty every time, and it won't work. And, yeah, I'd like to see a win. Yep, I'm going to take Chelsea, too. Uh, they have an unbelievable record against Crystal Palace over the last 15 years, I think. Uh, they get the job done. I don't know how convincing it'll be, but I will take Chelsea. I think they win this one. Need a clean sheet. It's been a while. Yes, you do. And we'll see who's starting at center back. Uh, okay, that is all from us at uh, the Cutback. We appreciate you guys watching. Make sure you check us out on social ugh, social media. Um, you can find us at the Cutback underscore on Twitter and the underscore Cutback on Instagram. Uh, you can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, everything still looks great. Um on the um, graphic side besides Apple still it's still the old like the original post 21 which used to mm. change I I've been messaging support like every week and they just keep telling me the same the same thing so I have no idea what to do but hopefully at some point it changes that's what I listen to podcasts on and I think that's actually the app that looks the best so it's really pissing me off when i go back and listen um mm -hmm. that it's still the old thing it's bothering me i'm sure it's not bothering other people but it's really bothering me um so listen on soundcloud or something else guys so that you can look at it um yeah that's it thank you guys again and uh we'll see you next week good luck to your teams this weekend